under my power. Look into the hypnotic eye and repeat after Mr. Lobo. I, as initiated member of the Sleepless Nights of Insomnia and a dedicated listener to We Talk Games, do solemnly swear to listen to the spooktacular, the whole spooktacular, and nothing but the spooktacular, so help me Mr. Lobo. No part of this broadcast may be duplicated without express written permission of Major League Baseball. You're not dreaming. This is Mr. Lobo, your nefarious narrator and horrible horror host of Cinema Insomnia. You're listening to week one of the We Talk Games October Spooktacular. 2017. Tonight's feature is Shadowlands. But first, turn off all the lights and journey to an abandoned Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater where the ghosts of arcade games past rise like cheap pizza dough from the dead to feast on your quarters. Can your heart stand the pain of the 1987 shocker from Namco? Shadowlands. Insert coins. Ooh, this is We Talk Games Arcade Weekly, an arcade review show brought to you each Monday free of charge from your spooky friends over at WeTalkGames.com. And yes, I did say spooky because it is spooktacular. Can you feel it in the air? Yeah, I like that we're going with the ghost theme this year as opposed to the... I was actually always quite impressed with your uh, your Dracula voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't prepare it. Maybe next episode. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's Kyle Von Kubik and, and your pal John E. Capcom here to bring in the spooks. And uh, that's what we're doing. We're bringing in the spooktacular games with 1987's Shadowland from Namco. This is kind of a Halloween-y game. If you wanted something that was extremely geared towards a Japanese market and has absolutely nothing to do with Halloween. (laughs) Well, it's got stuff to do with monsters. Right, right. So that's where it fits in. That's the reason for the season. That is the reason for the season. I believe the Japanese title is um, uh, Yokawi Dash... Shit. I'll have a go. Okay. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, yokai dochuki. Sure, which is it's a the translation is uh, phantom travel journal. Yokai <laughs> is like literal translation is phantoms, but they're they're kind of like gremlins that you don't see on in everyday life in Japanese culture. So like, I got fired from my job. I lost my keys. Like little happenstance shit that happens to you and it is annoying. 
it's done by these unseen gremlins, or if you want to have the Scientology parallel, like engrams or some shit. We have something like that. Uh, people will blame stuff like that on fairies here, traditionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the fairy king now has my old playboy. Or <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with like these little uh, goblins or gremlins that are just uh, breaking your shoes while you're traveling through hell as a little boy who's dead. And there's naked ladies. Yes, there is. That's yeah. my summation of the plot, basically, is you're, <laughs> you're a dead little boy traveling through hell, and occasionally you get to see naked ladies and mermaids. I think there's a greater cultural thing to it. I'm not sure if we're going to get into that right now, but like, it seems to be Go for it. about uh, being judged in the afterlife. Yes. I think that's ultimately what it's about. And, yeah. Um, it's very important to the game. I wouldn't know that if I hadn't looked it up, though. Yes, because, the, uh, the game's very obtuse in its mechanics. And there's no, I, like, I don't know about you, but mm. I'll just say it from the jump here. I did not get past level one. Level one is extremely difficult. I was able to get to level two. <laughs> um, I, I Ralph Lewis this one, I'm afraid. <laughs> you couldn't get past World 1-1? One, one? Uh, no. <laughs> that's a really old reference for longtime <laughs> listeners. Hey, if you're new to the show, welcome aboard. And you can check out past episodes at wetalkgames.com and go to wetalkgames.com slash in the can because some of the making mechanics that I'm about to lay down are uh, games that we've talked about in the past that you can listen to and see what we thought about those games then. But let's talk about this game now. We're talking about Shadowland. So what games are similar to Shadowland? I would say Ghost and Goblins, 1985 by Capcom. It's the same scrolling, tough-as-nails platformer with, I would say, an easier to control sprite once you learn how to control your little boy man in Shadowland. Arthur, when you learn how to control Arthur in Ghosts and Goblins, it's a little more intuitive, but I'm not a huge Ghosts and Goblins guy because it's so difficult. This game is as equally difficult, but I like the way that this little dude flows better because he's more floaty, except when it comes to the staircase, but I'll save that for later. Another game that Shadowland gave me notes of was a game we discussed, Wardner, 1987 by Taito, because of the same sort of squat little dude running around and uh, shooting projectiles <laughs> at goblin monsters. You want to bring up the, the pejorative term that you used in our episode? Oh, the, uh, you, you run around as a little peck? Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that Willow must have been so harsh on little people when they were kids in the 80s. Because this film comes out and creates a new pejorative term for them. <laughs> it's true. I bet, uh, like, people <laughs> spit in Warwick Davis's face every day because of that. <laughs> I don't think that happens. Fucking Uncle Tom. <laughs> John, so, yeah, this is a horizontal scrolling uh, platformer. <laughs> um, did you have any other making mechanics that I are similar to this game? Okay. One of the reasons when I looked at the sheet... The We Talk Games run sheet. I saw this game and I was immediately reminded just from a screen grab of Alex Kidd Miracle World. Okay. I think that's a good uh, poll. Yeah, there's less. Well, actually, I suppose there's quite a lot of vertical uh, platform in this. Mm -hmm. But uh, Alex Kidd Miracle World, is, uh, in some of the stages, has more vertical platforming than you in this. And it's got a wider screen uh, right. lengthways. But uh, yeah, the design of the character, Tarasuke, is quite similar to Alex Kidd. 
mm. in the way he looks and in the way he controls as well. Like this, is, I think he actually controls a little bit better than that kid. Truth be told, because in Alex Kid Miracle World, he's a bit slippy, right? You know, and um, so that's why it appealed to me. Alex Kid Miracle World, of course, was a built-in game in the Sega Master System Two, which I owned as a kid, and uh, it was the first console I bought with my own money. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so I played Alex Kid Miracle World to death. Mm-hmm. And it was only when I was an adult and went back to play it, I was like, oh, this uh, game isn't so well made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, it wasn't Super Mario, but it was no. good enough if that's all you had. Games that came before, you said Ghosts and Goblins, which yeah. came out in 1985. Uh, not a horror game, but The Legend of Kage, it kind of reminded me of as well, in that okay. it had the, sa- the same traditional kind of Japanese art style. Castlevania, of course, came out the year before. Okay. So that would Thematically, have been yes. Yeah. Now, Ghosts and Goblins and, and Castlevania are good pulls for the horror theme, but thematically, I think we would agree, when I started playing this game, it reminded me a lot of 1992's Super Mario Land, the six golden coins put out by Nintendo because of the one jack-o'-lantern stage. Now, I didn't play Six Golden Coins recently, but I know you have. So I'm wondering how much crossover there is between the two games in regard to their monsters or the the beasts that are in the games of these goblins. Because that was my first exposure to this Japanese monster mythology was in Six Golden Coins with the hopping vampire zombies, and which I didn't see in this game or the cycloptic umbrellas that would come down. They were just weird enemies to me as a kid, but as I grew older, I learned that, oh no, these are actual mythological creatures in Japanese culture. I played Six Golden Coins recently on a trip home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I beat it on the bus to Belfast two weeks ago, and uh, I don't want to use the word hero lightly, but um, <laughs> that's how I felt at the time. I, I was never able to beat Six Golden Coins when I was a kid. No, me either. I got up to Wario's castle, but it, the the difficulty ramp up there was just too much for oh, me. Oh, it's an, a monumental spike in difficulty that game has. Yeah. Right in the because I actually got the six golden coins Saturday morning, mm-hmm. like just one Saturday morning. I got to the castle. I was like, I want to beat this before lunch, you know. And I was back at my mom's house for the weekend, so I was in prime. I'm going to sit around playing video games all day because. There's no internet in that house. Oh. Uh, so it's like going back to the 90s in the years. <laughs> yes. I had the time and the focus to, to play it. Yeah, then my mom noted that I was swearing more because I got to that <laughs> castle. And uh, I could feel myself getting better at it as I went through. And really, unlike the rest of the game, Wario's Castle is like a memory test. Yes. And to, uh, But it is beatable. Because uh, I, I did beat it and I immediately went to Instagram. Most people show off how pretty they are or you know how nice their house is. Yeah. I was just like, I'm better than you because I beat Mario too. <laughs> but um, the Pumpkin Land, that's what you were uh, bringing up. Right. Pumpkin Land is interesting because it has some of those Japanese uh, traditional overtones that are very much embedded in Shadowland. And I'd like to talk more about the art in a minute. But uh, there's also some western influence like the goombas are wearing like uh, jason hockey masks yes in that level as well and yeah there's a lot of strange kind of there's a mix there because it's i think it's kind of a halloween level 
Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Uh, our, our Halloween zone. Was it Pumpkin Zone? Pumpkin Zone, um, I believe, yeah. Did you play uh, Mario Land 2 a lot as a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was my jam. I can't tell you how many batteries I killed play- <laughs> playing that game. Uh, there's a pro player that played on a Game Boy Advance SP. Oh, okay. All right. But uh, no, that's what I was doing. It's obviously got the seven-hour battery on it. Uh, nice little note, actually. Mm. I bought my copy of Super Mario Land Two in uh, a local shop to you because I, I remember oh. you took me you took me somewhere uh, like a game shop that had a big pizza stank in it. Remember there was loads of kids playing yeah, yep. uh, something. So that yeah, was like, you bought I, that two years ago then. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. And I, I, I never owned it. Yeah. I never owned it as a kid, and I was like, oh well, here's a really common game. This one's in nice nick. And um, what actually prompted me to play it was I picked up Wario Land. Mm-hmm. Uh, Another recently. great game. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I never beat two and I haven't played it really since I bought it. So that was my prompting. Yeah, I think thematically with the Pumpkin Zone, th- there's some notes here. The sharp spike in difficulty of six golden coins does not happen in this game as you touched on it is extremely difficult from jump and obtuse in the way that tower of draga was obtuse where you would need some sort of prima strat guide to get through this game i think to know that here's a game that's a platformer there's hidden areas there are certain things you need to do to get different endings one of five different endings in this game as you traverse hell in that respect it's kind of like castlevania but you know this early castlevania where you're not backtracking but there are dead ends that you can find your way into and then you have to try to find out which is the correct path but more like tara Juaga, you're collecting these items along the way at shops and you're not really sure what you're supposed to be doing with them or what they actually do most of the time it's just to give you another health meter when your health meter depletes but depending on how much money you have what you buy what path you take depends on these endings that you get and there's a good ending and then there's a bad ending uh there's endings in between where you turn into beasts or where you see your own funeral that type of stuff it's no surprise that this game didn't come to the west it's very much geared towards the the east market in its theme in its challenge there were other games like it though uh they did, these games came bef- after it mm-hmm. but i had these written down in the maker mechanic section okay. anyway bonds adventure i don't know if you ever played that yep okay I'd agree uh, with that. That's quite... I think Bonds Adventure is probably a better game than Shadowlands, personally, but that's just my taste. Yeah. Um, Kinsaiden. Did you ever play this? No. It's a Master System game. You play like a samurai. It's kind of like a... Uh, I guess the closest thing would be Batman on the NES. Okay. Like a platformer where you're punching and kicking and stuff. Yeah. Can you cling um, to walls? No, I don't think so. Oh, boo. But uh, it has Oh, a wait, wait. Of- John, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Boo! <laughs> 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 it's got uh, demon bosses and stuff in it. Boss elements that turn up here as I love the art in this game. Okay, so yeah, um, let's talk about the art. Right off the bat, this is Namco's first 16-bit platformer. If you could just indulge me on the sidebar real quick. I think this is a good example of arcade game developers figuring out what they did well you know we're talking 1987 we're a few years away from like the big hits of the early 90s and that's where you would see konami find their groove with brawlers and shooters capcom find their groove with fighters namco finding their groove with light gun games and racing games 
prior to this, all these companies, platformers are hot. Let's put out a platformer. You had Data East putting out platformers. You had Title putting out platformers. You had Capcom putting out platformers. Some were better than others. Same thing with fighting games. Konami in the 90s tried really hard to get into fighting games. They weren't good at it for whatever reason. Capcom just took the crown on that. What you told me offline when we were discussing this game prior to the show, you said to me, I want to like this game. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way, very much because of the art direction and the themes of the game. It just didn't come together in the gameplay aspect. Let's talk about the positives before we talk about the negatives. And I think what you were about to talk about is one of the biggest positives of this game, which is the art direction. Yes, and uh, if I can be indulged for a few moments, mm. the art style in this game, which is a kind of a traditional Japanese hellscape, mm-hmm. it ticks a box in me I don't know is there until it's ticked. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the kind of classical Japanese art style right. the, of the Edo period with uh, uh, Husok- Hosokai, I think is the name of the famous woodblock. Uh, Hiroshiga was another uh, woodblock artist. Right. And um, I just have a about- feeling Nico Bun is going to crawl up both our asses on Twitter after listening well, to while, this episode. <laughs> while he's there, he can suck my dick. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> think um, there were classical artists in that time, but one of the great things about uh, the woodblock style of art is is that it was very much almost in the vein of kind of pop culture or graphic design mm-hmm. in that it was everything was covered and it was very utilitarian right in the way they did it and uh, they were like so, we want to see a woman being flated by a squid make it happen now i and believe it it's called did. the fisherman's wife stream yeah is that the famous uh, painting i believe you're it's, correct it started japan's love affair with women and octopi off. <laughs> but um there was a lot of monsters and demons and kind of all scary stuff as well as like samurai fights and stuff chronicled in right. this woodblock style. And I've always loved it. I think probably because of Ken Sidon. Another game actually that uses this art style really well is the Onimusha series. I, I would recommend ever, anybody go out and play the Onimusha series. And I think it's a shame that there isn't a HD collection uh, for your uh, PlayStations or your Xboxes. Yeah. But um, this style, this game, straight away when I started playing it and you see like the weird kind of poison colorscape that Japanese hell depictions have. Yeah. It's like the the earth itself is poisoned and like there's those like rotting zombies and the oh. kind of weird leery ghosts. Yes. Well, you touched on the rotting zombies. I was calling them mud people, but they're right off, you know, jump. You see some of the best sprites, which will be repeated throughout the game. Some new ones are introduced later on, but... um there's this pit of mud, and then there's just these zombies or creatures just, like, crawling out of it. And it, it there's only maybe three frames of animation, but it's very convincing and looks very cool. There's a lot of abomination going on in the yes. Japanese version of Hell. You know, like, fish people and... Well, that's what you get if your fucking wife is off having sex with an octopus. Like. <laughs> but, but, um, I mean, I like calamari, but I wouldn't invite her over to fuck my wife. Definitely not. You know, I like Parodius, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but uh, the uh, I, I was going to say, like the the ghosts in that art style, especially those floating heads, they have a weird leery quality to them. Mm. Like they genuinely feel like they're perving on you in a weird way. <laughs> and um, it's why I would actually recommend 
There's a, a favorite contemporary artist of mine called Toshio Seiki. Okay. If you like the art style in this game, if you end up looking up and playing it, and you're okay with very transgressive sexualized art, mm. I would recommend looking up his work. I think his work is fucking phenomenal. Uh, it's weirdly vibrant and colorful. It's nearly all of it is disturbing. <laughs> There's no way you won't look at one of his works and just kind of like feel wrong for looking at it. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, this game, again, the reason I want to love it is because it fits into that culture that I, I don't understand. Yeah. And it, all the, not the Japanese culture, but like the, the monster culture. And it's so strange. And while Seiki's art has weird transgressive overtones, this game, even though it's quite innocent in comparison, yeah. has that th- that strangeness to it as well. Yeah, that, and those pervy elements, too. It does have some pervy elements. Right. But it's like, I don't know, it's just, I don't know how to feel when I watch it. I don't feel scared. Mm. I'm not frightened of these monsters, but I am definitely unsettled by them. Yeah, I guess creepy would be the best descriptor I could give to the monsters. Not scary. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> you know, creepy. Like, you wouldn't want them too close to you. You know, you got you frog men and, and fish head people, and we touched on the mud men as well. You described it accurately. You are a brave, young, wide-eyed soul named Terasuki, who is sent to hell for infringing on Dragon Ball's copyrights. With balls of energy, you must fight hideous monsters on your way to your final fate, decided by a not-so-jolly Buddha. You find a shrine to stop and pray for a little help from the spirits. The mighty Monmotaro appears and drops more energy balls on the level boss and his minions. Why is it always about balls? There are five possible fates waiting for you. Dare you open the boxes? Dare you go to the hungry beast world? Why are you three feet tall? Dare you take in a sexy dance hall show? Will you be turned into an old man? Or get 10,000 money? Or all the money? Very specific money called money. Will you ever see the sunlight again? Your power meter is drained, and you may be doomed to darkness forever in... Shadowlands. Did you play dice with the frogs? I did. So pro pro player tip, or blow player blip from us, on the first stage, you're traversing water and then there's this little island where there's this frog, this big frog, uh, spitting out little frogs. And if you kill the big frog, he'll tell you to climb up the ladder. Now, you might not intuitively do that because there's so many things coming at you on the screen and it's one life only. You start over after you die. Ugh. So that And that is the biggest detraction from this game is that I really wish there was just three lives and some sort of checkpoint system because I think that more people would stay with this game longer and appreciate it more. But because once you die, that's it. That's your credit. I think it's going to put a lot of people off. So 
you're intuitively going to want to avoid this frog and just keep trucking along the stage. But if you take a moment to kill him, he will reveal a (laughs) frog ladder. And then you can go to this top platform and play an odd even dice rolling game with a red frog, another goblin guy and some rotting corpse. And you get to pick between odd or even. And I played through a couple times to see if there was a pattern. It There's not. It is somewhat randomized as much as it could possibly be. So it's two dice being rolled. It's the combination between the two numbers. If it equals odd and you picked odd, you get X metric of coin. If it's uh, odd and you picked even, you lose X metric of coin. I don't know if it's worth doing, (laughs) to be honest, because like I said, there's these points in the game where the amount of money you end the stage with determines what the ending is, but you definitely do need coin to progress further in the game because the only opportunities you get to heal up is after the first level and at the beginning of each level, you can go to a store, which is hidden, kind of. It's normally second stage, another blow blare blip, You'll see a staircase and a staircase going to what you think is nothing, but if you go up that staircase right away, there's a store there and you can buy food and items to help, like, heal and help you along the way. And there are these, like, talismans of things. Again, very culturally significant for Japan. I don't know what they mean. You know, a a green uh, severed hand, a candle, these type of things. But you'll need those coins to get those items. But if you die with too many coins, it's a bad thing, too. It's my understanding. So, uh, yeah, that's in there. (laughs) Again, very obtuse. If you you die with too many coins, they're like, you're very clearly a a, douche. (laughs) You know, an evil man like Simon Greedwell from Sunset Riders. (laughs) Did you you see Sunset Riders? The soundtrack came out on vinyl. No. Bought that immediately. (laughs) Is it a limited edition? Yeah, it is. Get on there right now. In fact, it's gone. I'm sure it's sold out. (laughs) Oh, definitely. I'm never getting it. It's like like this fucking Super Nintendo thing that SNES Mini. Yeah. Fuck you. If if I can't walk into my shop and just pull one off a shelf, I'm not buying one. I think that's licensed. Now, and I'm not certain. This is just my opinion. I think this is just Nintendo giving license to emulate their games. I'm not going to fist fight a child for a Super Nintendo emulator. You know what I mean? It's just like, if it's not convenient, I'm not doing it. Yeah, and it, I, there's I, no reason I, why it can't be convenient to do it. Yeah, I'd rather put the effort into buying an actual Super Nintendo if it's going to be that difficult. Sure, sure. So uh, let's talk about how you fight these different creatures that we've touched on. You're shooting some sort of PK Thunder a la Ness from Earthbound. For whatever reason, you can charge up this energy shot by holding down and your character will hold his head and sort of like freak out. Kimberly was watching me play it and she thought it was some sort of like Jekyll and Hyde transformation, which what I thought would have been an awesome mechanic, but then he passed out. Because <laughs> if, oh. you, if you hold down the charge too long, the guy like gets ill. But you can hold up the charge and hold it at a certain metric and shoot a bigger fireball. You'll find that the game doesn't give you a lot of opportunities to do that because of the, because of the amount of enemies that are coming at you on the screen. But... If you're in an area where you can stand and there's a barrage of enemies coming down a staircase or or um, coming along the platform, hold down and you can still hammer away at the fire button so you won't pass out, but your 
shot will be a little more powerful and you'll be able to defeat more enemies. The rest of the movement for the character is your basic sort of tropes of a platformer of this era. You're jumping from platforms, you're going upstairs, downstairs, let's talk about the stairs. I really wish you could just press up to go upstairs and you didn't have to hop along the staircase. It's not as annoying or difficult as Simon Belmont uh, with the uh, <laughs> the stairs in the first Castlevania on the Nintendo. <laughs> That's uh, I, I love how some Simon Belmont walks upstairs. Like, and it almost looks like, like a he's dick. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I just imagined him in his house going, right, uh, I'm going to walk up the stairs and have to take a fucking run at this one. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> it's, it's almost like he's pulling his legs up by his hands. It's strange. It's an, if an alien had to try and convince you, <laughs> it knew how to walk upstairs. Yeah. I am but a human like you. Watch me walk up these stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I am walking up your stairs like human. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, you don't have to do that and you don't look like a dick because you don't actually walk upstairs. You have to hop along them. And the reason why that's difficult is because a lot of enemies will... A row of enemies will come down the stairs at once, so you're hopping and then hopping out of the way and waiting for them to come down so you could shoot them because your shot doesn't bend up the staircase. So there's some annoyances there. What is interesting that they have into this game, where unlike Ghost and Goblins, where you touch an enemy and you start losing uh, pieces of armor until you're dead, this character in Shadowland can actually bounce off the heads of the enemies if you hit the like back corner of the sprite's head which i thought was an interesting mechanic and you can actually use that to get to higher areas if you're skilled enough you do have a health meter so it's not like one hit kill but it is still frustrating regardless of that health meter that once you die you have to start all over again and the health meter i would describe it to be somewhat fair considering the challenge of the game what would you say five or six hits per health meter well this is the thing you you brought up the challenge of the game yeah. right? and uh, the uh, the barrage of enemies i would literally say it is literally a biblical plague of enemies in this game yeah there are actual frogs raining from the sky yeah that it's, happens <laughs> there's serpents with uh, there's cycloptic serpents too yeah uh, you get gangbanged by the enemies <laughs> in this game is the only way I can describe it. There are other games like this. Uh, Super Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, does a very similar thing where it's just like the enemies will just keep coming. But uh, I don't see any, I don't know, reason to this or uh, any kind of uh, method to it. It just seems to be if just keep moving because they're coming. Yeah, th- I mean, there are like set patterns with certain enemies sprinkled throughout the stage, but as John is describing, there's also these enemies that will just appear to keep you moving along. So there's not there's no moment where you can catch your breath really in the game because if you hang out too long in an area, all of a sudden these enemies, phantoms, will materialize and start sweeping in and depending on what they are, and it changes up sometimes, they will either fly in or drop and roll towards you. The rock enemy has got to be like one of the most annoying enemies. There is a little boulder. It's like a bowling ball with a face that you can only kill with a fully charged up shot. And 
if it catches you in sort of like a corner, it'll just keep rolling into you. So yes, the health meter is there and can give you five or six hits, but you'll be in these moments where this thing will hit you five or six times within a few seconds. And kill you and send you back to the beginning, the title screen of the game. Yeah. Let's talk about the UI real quick too. The, the presentation is interesting because there's this panoramic view of the stage that you're playing on. There is your health bar and your items in the uh, upper left corner. And in the upper right, there is a map showing you where you are in one of the five stages. Think of it like Dante's Inferno with layers of hell, but it's not that obviously because this is Japanese and it, it's theology. Or it's I guess it's Buddhist, right? Because you meet Buddha in the end who judges you. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think... And I'm only going by the knowledge bestowed upon me by the 1980s classic Big Trouble in Little China here. <laughs> but um, I think in that whole area, um, like Shintoism and Buddhism and all that, it it's kind of similar in how, say, in Ireland, we have saints uh, in the Catholic Church that are literally just gods from other religions. Okay. You know, they come in and they go, okay... Um, well, Ku Cullen is now a saint. So please give us uh, your money. <laughs> yes, pretty much. And uh, stop writing each other. I think this is similar where it's just kind of like, you know, Buddhism and all this kind of thing just kind of melts together. It's in a blender, if you will. It naturally happens. Like, just look at... Actually, you know what? Just listen to a uh, Wiggly World podcast. That's still up there. Wiggly talks about monomyths and uh, a religious... Um, Myths and stories blend together quite a lot. Yeah, so that's happening in this game. Now, what I described with the UI of having all these things on the screen, it sounds like a lot, but at least for me, and maybe you'll agree, John, I didn't find any of it distracting. Like, it, I didn't feel like the portions of the screen, how it was segmented, ever felt like it was too much. Like, Tower Draga, there was too much crap on the screen, and you didn't really know what the hell you were doing. This game, you didn't know what the hell you were doing, but I never felt like there was too much crap on the screen. It was designed very well. I didn't really have an issue with it uh, in that respect. It was yeah. The difficulty of the game doesn't come from the interface being broken. Right. It comes from the actual elements of the, the mechanic game that you interact with. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll touch on music real quick. I liked it. It was asian inspired uh thematically fits it was ooky kooky and spooky um <laughs> but I, I liked it it didn't bother me i actually enjoyed it quite a bit especially with the graphical presentation i think the two again melded very well together so that's a strange kind of trancey vibe to it in a weird way yeah yeah i'd agree with that like there's like a little bit of theremin happening you know yeah but it also it's like theremin asian fusion <laughs> I sound like some douche DJ. <laughs> and that sounds like uh, the recipe for a really terrible adult-orientated rock album. <laughs> so I touched on a few things that I would improve. What would you improve, John? There are home versions of this game. Okay. Um, it came out in the Famicom. And I'm sure one of the reasons it was proposed for this show is it also came out on the PC Engine. Mm-hmm. Now... If this game had a home version where you had multiple lives and you could continue from the spot where you die, yeah. I would probably like this game a lot more. Yeah. My favorite thing about this game is the art, I'll be honest with you. I've obviously gone into detail about it earlier on. Right. And what makes me sad 
is that so much of this art is held hostage <laughs> by the difficulty of the rest of the game. Maybe I'm a weak-willed Westerner here, but I'm just like, if the game was easier, <laughs> I'd prefer it. And it's not impossible. Uh, I actually got better at the game the more I played it. Sure, yeah, it's definitely and one of those type of games. I definitely got better by studying someone who was better than me, which is pretty much how you get through, you learn how to do anything. Yeah, I don't but, know um, how you'd roll into an arcade and not spend a fuck ton of money to see the end of this. Although it seems to be very popular in Japan because it's been re-released several times. It, you know, it had the home ports like you touched on, but it was released on the virtual console for the Wii twice, once for the Wii and once for the Wii U. But without watching a pro player or reading a strategy guide in some capacity, like to me, it's just very obtuse. And I don't know if it's just my opinion or it's something that through the evolution of the medium just became true i don't think platformers like this work in an arcade model i think they're better suited for the home console the thing is in 1987 the home console market and the arcade market were still very viable markets so the home console market was not dictating what the arcade did it was the arcade dictating what would be on the home console like we touched on uh, numerous times through the history of the show and at our panel a few months back like i touched on earlier with these companies figuring out what genres fit them i think the arcade in general the arcade industry was also trying to figure out what worked because you also have to remember pc games are involved here so adventure games and um the zx spectrum had a whole host of very obtuse platformers that were very popular in europe so a lot of spaghetti was being thrown at a wall, I think. It's a weird thing, uh, philosophically, with a lot of these early games, and this is an arcade game, obviously. I think we've changed, or we've witnessed the change in video games in general, in that video games now are made to be beaten. Okay. Video games back then were made to beat you, because hmm, yeah. they wanted more money out of you in the thing, right. you know, in the arcade. Yeah. So, again, you were never going to see those later levels. I never was going to see them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way six-year-old John is getting anywhere in this game. <laughs> but if that game existed now, it would still know to provide a challenge. Right. But I also think that it would be a bit more fair and want me to get to the end. I, I think probably story has uh, done a lot for that as well. I think when you have people writing hundreds of pages of script to provide, obviously, a story to a video yeah. game, I don't, I don't think if you're going to put that much work into a game that you want to restrict the majority of players from getting to that content. Yeah, you're not going to put because, it behind a wall of difficulty like this game has. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think that's a big difference. Like, I, 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 I'm probably going on a tangent here, but uh, I think this is why a younger person, say if there's a teenager or a young adult who missed the arcades, and I can't blame them for playing a game like this for the first time. I'm kind of going, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I don't. I'm not going to have patience with this game because it isn't walking me along. Right. And while yeah. some people would say, while some people would go, I oh, look the fucking the 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 kids today, they're all a bunch of pussies. Like they can't play hard games. And you're just like, yeah, but I think it's not necessarily because there are any worse at video games than children and young people who or uh, back in the 80s. Right. I think it's just because the actual philosophy of video games itself is 
changed it's from developed. yeah beat the fucking coins out of their pockets yeah <laughs> to no you pay us 50 60 euros and we give you an experience yeah and then maybe later on you might spend another 10 20 buying some dlc that you don't actually want right and in both business models you still have to give something worth spending the money on right so there's these big budget titles that come out and flop because of any number one of many reasons bad art direction bad story bad game mechanics today i'm saying yeah back in the 80s and the 90s with the arcade games it was the same thing yeah lots of arcade machines were put out there to steal quarters but only good games with solid mechanics good art direction good sound that gave an experience stayed around there's a reason why up until 1993 1994 1995 there was still a mario bros arcade cabinet there was still a defender arcade cabinet because it was still generating money so while there are vast differences in how games are presented from yesteryear and today i think they still need to be quality otherwise you don't get the coin it's just the model of how you get that coin is a little bit different between contemporary games and games in the past um but yes shadowlands certainly will not hold your hand although you can buy one when you get to the second level <laughs> so uh john uh, you know it's spooktacular how would you rate shadowland on our spooktacular meter uh, I would rate Shadowland seven hidden barn brack rings out of ten. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you want me to elaborate on that, I will. But no, I'll leave it. Please do. Uh, basically, a traditional Samhain uh, food stuff that we take. Uh, What's Samhain? Just, I know, but just say it for the listeners. Uh, Samhain is the Celtic foundation of the ho- Halloween holiday. Yes. Um, but, yeah, tradition Samhain... Uh, food stuff is a barn brack which is kind of a like bread with raisins in it okay and usually there's like (laughs) there's a totem hidden inside of it that will tell your uh, future for the rest of the year coming oh so if you pull a a ring out it's like oh you're gonna get married in the next year and if you pull out something else out it's like oh you're gonna die in the next year (laughs) and (laughs) It's a nice little tradition that we still do here. It's p- applicable considering the five different endings that happen and the, the different things you collect along the way determine what your future will be. In Shadowland, I'm not even going to give a, a, a <laughs> metric because I think yours is perfect and I don't want to soil it by like equating the game to fucking candy corn or something. So, I'll say great th- job. I'll say this. If uh, I can tell your future with a hidden barn brack ring though, right? Your future is your finger that you put the ring on will get shredded by the poor quality ring (laughs) (laughs) they were terribly put together i mean there were fucking rings hidden in bread like what do you expect from them really but like they were made of metal and they'd always pinch you and just cut your finger open no matter what it was almost like some weird kind of bloodletting ritual we all took part in when we were children it was the more vicious irish equivalent of spider rings here in america (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were made of shitty plastic. These things were made of shitty metal. Yes, yeah. Let me remind everybody that uh, whatever service you're listening to this podcast right now on, you could probably go there leaving a rating or review for the show, which would help us and cost you nothing. It would be greatly appreciated by us, your friends at We Talk Games. Please follow us on sh- social media. We're on Reddit, r slash We Talk Games, Twitter at We Talk Games, and Facebook.com slash 
We Talk Games. Hey, I'm looking forward to more weeks of Spooktacular. Not so much for the rest of uh, the year, considering we are fucking stacked with theme months from now to what looks like the end of time because it's Thinky the Game Master. But I'm hoping we talk about uh, more interesting and fun games like this in the future. We'll talk at you next week. Something is creeping towards you. Look out. Be sure to tune in next week for a sojourn into total terror. Demon's World. A platformer arcade game from 1989, also known as Demon or Horror Story. But until then, game over. Ha 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 